0: Jack, good to have you back here ahead of tomorrow. How do you think the employment will factor into our Fed language plans and what we heard yesterday from Jay Powell?
1: Yeah, uh, I think uh, tomorrow's uh, employment report is going to be pivotal. But if you recall from last time, uh, economists were expecting 500,000 net new jobs. We got under 200,000 um, as we... You know, starting to sense perhaps that the true labor market is smaller than we, what we think. Um, not sure the Fed believes that. I, I think the Fed wants those five million missing workers back in their jobs. Um, they, I think, they believe that the uh, natural rate of unemployment is closer to four, uh, not close, not closer to five where it is today. Uh, and uh, you know, if they're wrong, uh, clearly what they will end up doing is overstimulate into a into a market that's already hot. So uh, that's, I think, the concern. So tomorrow's number, um, you know, if if, uh, uh, economists are expecting a big number and we get a big number, I think that's gonna be a huge relief.
0: Okay, so at this point, we're rooting for good data here as uh, we finally got the ISM services to really show our biggest economic beat in a while. Uh, what do you think uh, that signals that that part of the economy, the services side, finally showed us something surprising?
1: Yeah, uh, I think that you know lends itself to the, the notion that, first of all, employers are willing to pay up uh, to get uh, leisure and hospitality and service workers back in their jobs. Uh, I think that it also shows that uh, employers are willing to invest in technology, software, AI, whatever, to try to fill those gaps where uh, they can't fill jobs um and i think overall big picture i think that's a good that's good news we did get a productivity this morning at least an early look at productivity uh and that was a negative Uh, i was actually very disappointed with that uh we saw a uh you know a a negative print in in productivity suggesting that perhaps all of this innovation and business investment isn't overcoming uh, a lot of the wage growth that we've seen so we expect to see the the uh, employment cost index uh spike uh to over five percent uh if this uh, productivity number holds
0: the unit labor cost today just really beating expectations Uh, by a ton, 8.3% versus 5.3% expected. And then the prices paid component of that, uh, both manufacturing ISM on Monday and then uh, the prices from the services side, too, way ahead of the expectations. We getting a warm wages print tomorrow, Jack? Yeah, so that's,
1: you know, obviously going to be a critical watch to see where wages are going. Uh, My guess is they will continue higher at a lower rate. Um, And, you know, the question is, you know, obviously how long this is this a cycle? Uh, We need higher wages to pay for those higher prices. And so this is part of that wage price cycle that uh, some economists are worried about. Um, will that abate? You know, I'd love to see it growing at a lower rate, uh, suggesting that maybe the Fed uh, looking at inflation dissipating somewhat. Um, you know, so there's a lot of important information
0: coming out tomorrow morning. J-PAL yesterday saying that uh, the inflation is sticking around a little bit longer than they thought. They changed their absolute transitory approach to a probably transitory approach. We saw that in language. Do you think that the wages have the potential for them to abandon the transitory argument altogether? Is that the missing link that could make all of this last? Well,
1: you know, a lot of it depends on who's going to be sitting in those uh, FOMC seats uh, as we move into next year. Um, and what we're sensing is, first of all, if you look at you know, the, um, the Dallas and um and Boston, the two Fed seats where we had the kind of the, I don't want to call it insider trading, but they were trading. Sure. Um, and they're leaving their roles. They were among the more hawkish. Rosecrans and Kaplan were among the more, more hawkish uh, views on the, on the FOMC. If Powell, for some reason, uh, turns, uh, ends up turning over to Brainerd, it's, we could see it really going more dovish. And if that does happen, it's entirely possible there's talk now that the Fed could raise their 2% Fed, uh, inflation target to 3 essentially throw in the towel and say, look, it's higher than we expect, we're going to target 3%, and we're willing, to, uh, we're willing to live with 3%. So um, that's what we're, I'm, I'm sensing right now, and uh, we'll see if, if we get all of that dovish shift mm. in the FOMC.
0: Jack let's talk about some other issues on your mind in your latest economic report the top mention is China and the economy there the stock market for Chinese companies has been blowing up all year uh, going on about six seven months of a pretty deep entrenched bear market trying to turn around maybe stabilize as of late but why is this number one on your non Fed topic list.
1: Yeah, I think you know part of it is because China is the second largest economy in the world, uh, and their housing situation really dwarfs ours. Back in two thousand and six, seven, and eight, um, the growth in per square foot uh, housing um, left us in the dust uh, between uh, over the same t- period of time. If you look at the peak of our um, uh, housing bubble, we had roughly. Uh, Real estate investment at around 6.6 percent of GDP. There in the nines. Um, so I think that this is going to be an economic problem for China, not necessarily a financial problem. Although we now see that other, I think Arcia, that other housing uh, uh, borrower just defaulted in the uh, you know global dollar bond market. Um, so we are going to see some dominoes fall internationally on the financial side. But given that most of that lending, I think, ever grants something like $300 billion, most of that is through the state-owned banks. Uh, I think that can kind of be shuffled away and swept under the rug from a Mm -hmm. financial perspective. Economically, though, it's really important. I mean, 70% of uh, Chinese households own a home. Um, That was about where our peak was. I think we were peaked out at 68%. And that housing represents 90 percent of uh the household assets in china so you know beijing's got his hands their hands full um they're going to try to ease uh the bubble uh, the ease the air out of the bubble uh, but um i think they've used they've relied on infrastructure and housing to you know pull their economy along for 15-20 years and this isn't something they can easily reverse so what does that mean i think it means that it's going to you know they're going to be now drawing away from the rest of the world in terms of growth it means it potentially uh could be disinflationary so perhaps an offset to the inflation pressure we're seeing it also it it will likely impact the emerging markets you know keep in mind 32 percent of the emerging market index is china uh, and so while we still believe that there are opportunities in the emerging world, uh, we would rather uh, invest there in, in Latin America, Eastern Europe, using active managers rather than just a, a passive vehicle.
0: Mm. And uh, Jack, uh, looking at that next to the U.S., how do the fundamental risks of China affect the value proposition of uh, owning non-U.S. stocks right now? Because some argue that there is deeper value there to be had compared to a very expensive U.S. equity market. But I guess if the fundamentals are more murky, then are U.S. stocks still the way to go?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could argue cheap for a reason, I suppose. Uh, And I think, you know, that's why I would uh, really pursue more of a bottom-up strategy there. I'm typically a top-down allocator, and I just can't use, uh, you know, a top-down index uh, to get uh, emerging market exposure. So I think that, he, uh, m- you know, our preference is U.S. Uh, we are underweight international, uh, and uh, what we're t- focusing now on is smaller capitalization companies. They are a, a better deal, uh, but we're focused on quality because roughly a third of the Russell 2000 uh, are junkie companies that haven't made a profit in five years. Uh, <laughs> and we want quality uh, companies with dividends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's really our next, uh, our next leg, and we think those companies will catch up.
0: Doesn't sound like uh, you're chasing the Russell 2000 breakout. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hope, hoping for it, but like I said, there are you know, a lot of ugly names in that index.